Blog Talk Radio. join me tonight, you're welcome to do so. If not, you can always listen to our recording, again, by going to scan number 3354. The guest number to call in tonight, if you would like to join, is 646-595-2118. Again, that number is 646-595-2118. And let me start by reading our mission statement here at NASCA. So first, NASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Nancy V. Brown-Willis, and you're on scan number 3354. We have a simple purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional trauma, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Again, if you'd like to join me tonight, you're welcome to do that. And that number is 646-595-2118. I repeat the number. Six four six five two one one eight. Hold on one second. Let me pull this file. Okay, so tonight we're going to be talking about trauma recovery. You know, the last session that we were on, we talked about <clears throat> different stages of recovery. One being healing, you know, our spiritual. Uh, area of our spiritual selves, okay? And so 
that number, again, someone just asked me, is 646-595-2118. Okay. Again, that number is 646-595-2118. Someone just sent me a message asking what that number was. And again, uh, we're going to be talking about trauma recovery. And there's many different steps to trauma recovery. You know, a lot of times when I talk to my clients, <clears throat> they think that recover, recovery is just like a one-step shop. Uh, and, you know, you know, they think that it's just a one-step shop and, you know, recovery is just really simple. But they really don't realize um, that you just really have to practice being patient with yourself and following the steps of recovery, okay? Uh, you know, you've already been through enough trauma in your life. You've already been through overcoming the trauma because you're still here. You're a survivor, right? And as you continue walking in your recovery and walking in your healing, you'll walk right into your thriving season, which is really ultimately one of the most important seasons um, that you can possibly walk into, okay? Uh, that season is really, really, really the season where you start to see the fruits of your labor. And that labor is the steps that you've taken to walk in your healing. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you just have to be very proud of yourself when you, when you get to that place where you're like, you know what? I'm not happy with uh, with where I am. I'm tired of blaming myself for what I went through. I'm tired of settling, you know, for what this person or these people did to me and allowing those things that I went through to put me in this place where, you know, it has some, for some people, they've spiraled out of control. Some people will share their testimonies and some of the trauma that they've been through, it affected them in a way where it affects their uh, their health, their marriage, their mental health, their physical health, um, their their real health. Like, you know, some people have, like, heart issues and all kinds of issues. Um, you know, when we talk about people who have uh, spasms in their body and pain in their body because of trauma, and this, this is real. Um, so when you take that step into your recovery and your healing and you really make the choice and that decision to heal, you are saying that I am worthy and I'm enough and I deserve better, which is you do deserve better. Yes, it's true. We do deserve better. And we don't have to stay stuck in the place, uh, you know, in that, in that dark place or, or that place that started off some of the bad habits or some of the painful um, traumatic memories and recollections that, you know, uh, still can have effects on us. I know I talked about um, I used to deal with a lot of night terrors and nightmares, like back to back to back. Um, and so when my clients talk to me about things like that, I'm like, well, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with night terrors and things like that. Or um, some people be like, hey, I started just like gazing and having flashbacks, you know. And some people be like, well, just think positive thoughts. Think, you know, because some people have never really had, like, traumatic experiences, and and so they may not be able to relate and understand. So that's why it's important to talk to 
people who who can understand who have been there, like you know here on this show Nesca, there's a lot of professionals and we're professionals not just through education, we're professionals through experience okay and and also actively trying to work on our healing that also makes us knowledgeable because when you're dealing with something and you're researching it you you start getting knowledge right you start getting wisdom and that in itself is very a very powerful tool so um the wanting to change the taking the steps to change those things are what causes us to walk into our season of thriving not just surviving you know so i wanted to kind of go over a little bit of some of the stages of recovery and healing um because it's you know, it's a process. It's not something that you can just do overnight and then you're like, hey, I'm healed. You know, for me, it's a lifelong journey. I have to actively every day work on my recovery, work on my healing to be a better me. And it doesn't happen overnight. And um, and I have to work for it. That's, that's just the truth of the matter. But guess what? Recovery is possible. If you want it, you can have it. You just have to want it enough and take the steps towards that, uh, being a better version of yourself. And it's an everyday job. You know, it's an everyday job. So, you know, one of the stages of recovery, during the trauma recovery process, it can really feel like a never-ending and very confusing process, okay? And, you know, sometimes you can progress and then sometimes you can regress. So there may be times that in your recovery journey, you may be going forward and you're like, yes, oh, man, I'm doing so good. And then guess what? You might fall. I know I've been there, had the top, top, top fell and had to get back up. And that's okay because guess what? At least you got back up and or you're taking the steps to get back up. And so you may fall. As long as you get up, that's what matters, okay? So, um, again, in your trauma recovery process, you may feel that it's a never-ending process, and you may feel like one day you're progressing, the next day you're regressing, and that is completely normal. You know, but guess what? You also have to realize that the good news is that, you know, trauma healing happens in stages. It happens in different steps. And some of the steps are you go forward, you might fall back, but you get, but you take two steps now instead of the one step, and now you're closer. So be gentle with yourself. Remember that. You know, there could be a lot of small ups and downs. There can be a lot of small up and downs, okay, within these stages, right, um, as your recovery and your healing is unfolding, and that's okay. So uh, one of the things that you want to also do is, and these are all just advice. Everybody's recovery looks different, and everybody's recovery can be very different, and that's okay. But we're just sharing some steps. I'm sharing some steps, and then, you know, I could open up the mic, and if there's anything that helps you in your recovery, healing recovery, whether it's reading, journaling, singing, you know, getting out with friends, have a pet, anything that helps you in your healing, there you go. You can talk about it, okay? Um, acknowledging, you know, is one of the main stages for me of that recovery process because you want to acknowledge 
the experience, okay? And you want to acknowledge that that experience was actually traumatic, okay? Most people, you know, have a lot of mistrust in their own perceptions after trauma, okay? And it leaves you with a lot of questions. You may, um, you know, have just a lot of questions in your experience. Was it traumatic? Like, was it, you know, what was the category? What's the this? Was it's a lot of questions, okay? And then a lot of times it's just a period of trying to seek out information. You may be doing um, research online. You may be uh, taking a course. You might be joining one of these groups where you're like, hmm, okay, what does healing look like for different people? What does trauma recovery healing look like for different people? Okay, and that's okay, you know? Um, you know, sometimes people for a long time, that that kind of acknowledgement stage, they may stay there for a while, okay, because they're trying to figure out exactly what happened to them, okay? And a lot of times our brain, one of the mechanisms, and we talk about it, we've talked about it in the show before, is sometimes our brain will forget things, and that's just a way, that's a protective mechanism that the brain uses to protect itself from trauma. Trauma hurts. You know, traumatic memories hurt. And if our brain is not equipped to handle that type of pain, sometimes we could cause more pain, more damage, right? So our brain says, wait a minute, I'm not ready to, to deal with that. And it blocks out. I've gone through that where... Man, I blocked out so much stuff. I started blocking out my reality even in, in my life because my brain was like, forget everything, girl. You don't want to remember that stuff. Uh, and so my mind would go blank, okay? Uh, so that's just something that happens. Sometimes people just get stuck in that stage of acknowledgement, uh, but that is still the process uh, where you can become very informed, Um you know, and, and really survive your current situation, your circumstances. While life is, you know, if, while life might be feeling even more difficult because now you're dealing with personal stuff and then now you're bringing up other stuff and it's, it, it could pile up on you. It could be a lot. So make sure that you try to find a support system. Like I said, whether it's joining a group, whether it's joining an online group, if you don't want to do an in-person group, whether it's joining us on the radio, listening to some of us share a story. Sometimes I have five people, six people on the on the show just listening, and they don't want to speak, but they just want to just hear. They're just curious. And if a question comes up, sometimes uh, if there's someone that I know, they may send me a private message and ask me a question, and then I'll address it on the air. And then sometimes they'll, you know, feel brave enough and say, hey, I'm ready just to ask a question or I'm ready to share. I'm ready to share something I went through that was very traumatic. Um, and so this is a platform. It's a safe space. We do try to um, encourage our listeners, you know, to, to listen but also to participate, whether that's asking questions or sharing a comment or preparing to share your own story, okay? And then if you want to come on as a guest one night, it could just be about you and you get to really, we really get to dive into your story from the beginning part of the story to where you are today and, you know, the steps that have um, helped you in your own recovery. So we walk with you through um, the interview process, just so you know that. All right. So um, another 
step here uh, is safety, okay? That's one of the most difficult parts of trauma recovery because if your body doesn't feel safe, if the environment doesn't feel safe, the relationships don't feel safe, uh, you're not really able to process the trauma experiences in a healthy manner, okay? It's not going to be a healthy process. Uh, processing of the trauma. It's going to really, like I said, it can really hurt you. And that's why you have to kind of not be forced into your recovery, but really start to accept, like go through that acceptance of, all right, I do need some help or, okay, I do need to kind of take that next step and speak out and and maybe I'll save a life. Uh, The reason why I speak on this topic is, you know, because I care about saving lives. You know, I care about, I know how lonely it can feel. I know the shame that can come with it, the stigma that can come with it, uh, whether it's abuse that you've been through, verbal, emotional, physical, sexual, um, narrow, uh, when you're breaking up with somebody, somebody crazy, you know, things like that. I mean, there's different stages of trauma, so many different stages of, of trauma. Uh, and, you know, you don't realize that it could even come from verbal. You know, just somebody mistreating you and calling you uh, awful names and making you feel just bad about yourself. That's very traumatic. It doesn't have to be what someone else. Um, I had someone call me the other day, and they witnessed, they found their brother, you know, who died by suicide. That's very traumatic. That was a very traumatic experience to find your loved one. And a lot of people, unfortunately, have been dealing with that. Okay, so again, um, you know, finding a safe space, finding a safe person, finding a safe relationship, a safe person that you can talk to, okay? In that stage when you're, um, you know, creating that safe space and all of that, the focus is, again, really creating the safe, um, that safety in your life, okay? It's important to have that. Uh, And the goal is, Never really to guarantee a perfect safety uh, because, you know, that may not always be attainable for it to be perfect, but really focusing on, you know, having sufficient safety, okay, that will allow you uh, the ability to relax enough to trust the therapeutic process. Let me say that again. Okay, the, the environment may, may not be 100% perfect, completely safe, but you want to make sure that it's safe enough where you can really take the time to take in and, and process that therapeutic process. Like you need to relax enough to trust that therapeutic process, Okay. So uh, in therapy, you know, we seek a few things. We seek relationships, and this, this is what we seek. We seek safety in these areas. I'm sorry. We seek safety in the areas of relationships, your body, your mind, and your environment, whether it's your home, your work environment, your commute, okay? You want your environment to be safe. That is is really important. Um, I'm going to finish this, and I'm going to open up the mics if anyone has a comment before we go into process. Uh, so, you know, again, it's important for you to remember that you may work really hard 
um, to, to feel safe. And yet you may still not really feel safe enough, like all the way safe enough, but, you know, you have to still feel hard, you know, uh, to process the trauma. You still have to try to make sure that you feel safe enough to be able to process the trauma. Uh, you know, and, and the hope is really just to feel safe enough to slowly process the trauma and and uh, and go through the process, okay, while you're also feeling comfortable enough with your therapist or your counselor or your coach. Um, so, yeah, so just seek a trained professional that can help walk you through to help you so that you can really process some of those triggers and some of those traumas and some of those hurts. So basically what we're talking about tonight is the different stages of trauma recovery. And, you know, if you've gone through any type of trauma or any type of recovery steps and you'd like to share, I'm going to open the mic just so that uh, if you know your background is loud, mute yourself and then unmute yourself when you're ready to because the mics are open online. Um, if anybody else would like to call in, the number here is 646-595-2118. Again, 646-595-2118. And we're on scan number 3358. If anybody would like to speak, please join us. Hey, Nancy, this is Alexis. Hi, Alexis. Can you hear me? Yes. Hey, um, I wanted to just talk about something that's kind of near and dear to me. Um, I've dealt with some childhood trauma that kind of had me bought my emotions up, so I became a emotional slash binge eater to deal with those type of emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I've gotten over that now is by going out for a run or calling a friend um, or trying to journal those feelings on how I feel to talk to about talk to a therapist about it. Uh, growing up in my household, when we dealt with stress and trauma, my grandmother would always feed us as a, as a reward to say, you know, it's okay, don't be sad. I bought cake, you know, or I bought um, your favorite Chinese food or whatever that case may be. And I have been dealing with years of that. And now that I'm an adult, I realize that it's not sustainable, you know, due to health and I've developed some health issues. So if someone is dealing with that, I suggest, you know, writing down your feelings, talking to a family friend or a therapist. Well, that's that was good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, did did you have siblings? Did you were you the only child growing up? Like, did you all no. kind of deal with that? A lot of the family members. So, I lived with my grandmother. I have a younger sister. Um, they kind of they're I'm the only one that's overweight because I, I guess everyone else went home. And it would be, my grandmother had a, uh, a eighth grade education when I was born, um, and she 
My mom didn't want to be a parent, so she went back, got her GED, and went to college and got a certificate in um, early childhood development. And during those times that we either had a bill due or, you know, just any type of trauma, it would just be me there dealing with that. And she would go and get a dozen of donuts. And I remember being six years old, eating a half a dozen of donuts with her as as a reward. But we were really dealing with stress. Um, and that has kind of traumatized me as an adult because I find myself doing that before I got a little bit of help. Well. Did your grandmother deal with weight issues? Yes. So, uh, yes. <laughs> my mom dealt with it. Um, my mom actually got gastric bypass surgery two years ago. Um, and a lot of my my grandmother, my aunts, and them, they're, they are bigger people. Okay, so you um, did you notice or did your family share with you some of the trauma that they went through and then that's how they dealt with their trauma too? Do you think it's yes. kind of like generational, like that's the way everybody was kind of taught to deal with trauma? Well, I think the biggest thing is <clears throat> my grandmother, uh, she is 76. Um, and they kind of were a sharecropping family in South Carolina. And food insecurity was a big issue when she was coming up. Um, she either had the choice to go and share crop or stay in the kitchen and cook all day. So mm-hmm. it became this thing where she kind of learned how to cook the best of the best food. And when, as I was born and well, as my mom and my aunt were born, she instilled those same habits into them, that whenever you're stressed about something, you eat, you know, because they just didn't have those type of things um, when she was coming up. Right. I don't know if I'm making sense. But yeah, no, that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. And like you said, you know, back in the days, we didn't have these tools. We didn't know this stuff. Um, and also, you know, I think um, in in many families, you know, Big Mama would cook a nice meal and the family comes together and that's how we mm-hmm. kind of celebrated and it was around food, right? Like when, um, oh, what's the name of that movie? Big Mama's House? Yes. <laughs> One of those movies. And yeah. my family was, was literally that family. So on Fridays, mm-hmm. fish, Sundays after church, you know, these ginormous meals and my grandmother used to see 30 people every Sunday when I was growing up. She was the house where everyone went. So it's my unhealthy relationship with food started early because we'd have four different types of proteins, three different types of, you know, vegetables and like an entire assembly line of desserts on, you know, a Sunday and a Friday, and I thought that that was normal. So growing up, no one had ever told me that, hey, your weight, you know, you're too big or 
you're going to get diabetes or you're going to have, you know, high blood pressure issues or sleep apnea. No one had ever told me those things because all of my surroundings were big. Everyone was big. So it wasn't until I got away from home until I realized that, hmm, this is not normal. <laughs> you know, if I went to eat with my friends. You know, I'm eating enormous amounts of food, and they're eating smaller amounts. And I'm, I used to think it was something wrong with them. You know, maybe they didn't have enough food at home. You know, it was, it never clicked that that was an issue that I had or the entire family had. How did you get away from home? Um, when I was 18, I, uh, I went out to college and I stayed uh, out a semester and my grandmother started getting sick. So I ventured back home. So that's kind of how I got away. And I worked a lot of few odd jobs um, when I was younger. So I got to see different people from different walks of life. That's good. Sometimes getting away for, uh, like you said, for school or, you know, just getting away for a little bit, it helps you to kind of, see the world from a different perspective because like you said your world everybody in your world in your home in your space was heavy set and they all had like that was the norm everybody ate like that everybody um together in a, a community and family like that so that was like the norm for y'all you, to you other for us were abnormal. right yeah right yeah like they're abnormal they don't have enough food you know Right. right. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because I'm married, so my husband didn't grow up how I grew up. So he was one of the he was one of the main people, you know, that said to me, hey, I think you have a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I think your family has a problem. When I met him, you know, I was 22, and no one family-related or my friends, you know, talking about weight and health has always been off limits in my family and in my friend group because all of my friends were oversized. I didn't have any friends who were skinny or who had good health, so no one ever talked about, hey, you're going to get these issues. You know, you hear it from the doctor when you go to the doctor, but... You mm-hmm. anticipate the doctor going to give bad news, right? That's kind of what everyone mm-hmm. says. Oh, the doctor going to always give you bad news. So I always took mm-hmm. that information with a grain of salt. But when I met my husband, mm-hmm. <laughs> things changed. So I lost 100 pounds with mm-hmm. him because I realized that, okay, maybe what I was doing was not right. And then my health condition started coming. And I said, maybe he is right about you know, these things, and I realized I had a lot of, you know, that's just one thing dealing with my trauma that I've dealt with. I've had other traumas, so, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was good. Um, how how much, what was your highest weight that you got to? 
if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, so uh, about 3.30. Okay. And then you lost 100 pounds, which is great. That's a lot. That's I mean, hard to do. <laughs> How do you yeah. know, so I'm struggling over here. So, uh, I'm trying I'm trying to lose 50 pounds. You over there losing 100, and that's, that's good. Uh, so congratulations, and um, and keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, you're welcome. We'll we'll hopefully another day I'll get you I'll get you on here, and we'll you know dive more into um into the topic. But that was really good. All Thank right, you so, so much. Um, no, you're welcome. I know we have um. Another caller on the line, so the mute, uh, the mics are going to be unmuted. If your background slides, mute your own phone. But if you're able to speak and you would like to join the conversation, we're just talking about trauma recovery. Um, you know, some of the some of the challenges sometimes that we encounter when we're trying to walk into our recovery of trauma, and um, and just sometimes how do we overcome some of those challenges if we can, um, if we found ways to overcome those challenges, uh, some of the steps that you've taken to try to, uh, you know, overcome trauma. And if you have anything to share, the mics are open. Anybody would like to share? Okay. Maybe the next go round. Um, okay, so... And like I said, sometimes people, sometimes I have people call in. I have like five people call in, and sometimes people just want to listen. They don't really want to. Their background might be loud, and they're like, Ooh, "I can't really speak right this minute." But um, the invitation is there. When you guys are ready, please uh, make sure to share some words. All right. So, you know, when we're talking about the process, you know, once you have practice, um, you know, kind of feeling the, the, the feeling of feeling safe, uh, feeling safe within yourself uh, and your relationships and, again, your environment. Um, many times you start feeling like you're ready to uh, in, your, in your healing recovery, okay? And that stage, you know, that's a processing stage. Uh, but the goal, again, is to feel better about the trauma. That's really what the one of the main goals are, okay? Uh, trauma is unjust, unthinkable, and upsetting at its core, okay? So trauma is not an easy thing to deal with. Um, so, you know, many times as a counselor myself, I'm not really trying to just make someone feel good um, about the trauma that they experience, but my hope really is to, to help them to make peace uh, with the trauma, right, with the ways um, that their mind is processing this trauma and the way that, you know, it really helps them to survive the trauma. Like I said earlier, uh, one of my goals is really to help save lives. You know, I share um, some of the things that I've been through, some of the abuse, some of the trauma. And the purpose of, of doing that really is to help someone else survive because I know I felt alone. Um, I saw a lot of counselors when I was growing up. My mom would, you know, get counselors for me, and they just never could relate to me. When I would, I would, you know, interview them, 
I was like 10 years old. And I was talking to them and, and then I was like, well, uh, have you been through this? Have you been through that? Have you been through this? They start telling me, no, I haven't been through that, but I have a PhD in this and my parents graduated from that in the same thing and I followed their steps. And I'm like, okay, but have you been through this? Have you been through that? And I always felt like a lab rat. I felt like they were studying me, studying how I'm recovering. Like, I don't need you to study me. I, I'm you're supposed to be helping me. I need somebody like me to help me survive. You really cannot help me. And so I would shut them out. And they would go, oh, my God, you're so mature for your age. You're so mature for your age. And they were really just trying to study me. And, I, you know, they were just like young counselors or young psychologists who were just book smart. But they just lacked they lacked experience for me for the type of level of trauma that I experienced. I really needed somebody that was like, yep, I've been through this, I've been through that, and this is how I survived, and this is how I can help you. Then I'd be like, oh, okay, yep, talk to me. Uh, even when I talk to people who have lost, uh, who have never lost someone to suicide, you know, the other day when, like I said, I shared that I spoke to a young man who was sharing that he found his brother. And when he shared that with me, I said, I, I, I never found, I didn't find my sister, but I, I lost my sister to suicide. I understand that that could be very, very difficult. And he said, normally when people tell him they understand, he would get upset. But because I could talk about the topic as someone who has lost a sibling or a loved one to suicide, he, he could take it from me and really appreciate it. And he felt like the environment was safe. And I could understand what he was saying. Now, I didn't find my loved one. That's a whole nother level of trauma. Because trauma could come in like an onion, right? Layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. Um, but I know that in some of my traumas, when I speak to people and I have traumas that are higher, and I, I don't want to say higher because really, even if you were scared by a cat, that could be a severely traumatic experience. I was talking to one of my sons about that today, and he's like, I was scratched by two cats. I'm like, really? I was like, well, okay, well, I said, well, maybe when you have your own, maybe it would be nice to you. He was like, I don't know. I had not all cats are like that, you know, but that was his trauma, you know, so I'm not going to say my trauma is worse than yours. But when, I, when I'm talking about levels of trauma is um, the severity of it. Like um, sometimes you'll hear you know, the way that someone uh, murders their family, and it's just so traumatic. I was reading, I was watching that story today, and it was just so severe. It was like he did the most, and then he allowed the wife to survive after he really hurt her. He cut her up, and but she survived. So now she has to live with the trauma of watching him murder her children in front of her and having that memory in her mind. Um, so that I cannot say I understand because that's like a – that's, that's a different, I'm, I'm, I can't relate to her trauma, but that's okay because we're, we're all, you know, we're here to support each other through trauma and we're not, uh, and it's good to just listen sometimes to people's trauma and just say, I'm sorry you went through that. A lot of times people just don't know what to say. You hear somebody share their story and you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I understand. I must be hard. You just say it, but you don't really realize that, like, that young man said to me, that triggers him when people say, I understand. I said, I understand, but I really, when he was talking, I was like kind of picturing. So I, I felt like, wow, I, I understand that. That's hard. 
the final, but I don't understand finding my siblings. So even myself, sometimes we have to be careful some of the choice words that we use because we're trying to be helpful, but we don't understand that, you know, some words can trigger someone, right? So we do the best we can. So I'm going to go back to, uh, I know one of our guests tonight just sent me a message. She's at work, and I guess it's loud in the background. But if she gets a chance to get away, she'll jump in and say hello. Nancy. You're muted. Go ahead. This is Paula. Hi. Hey, can you hear me? Yep, hear you perfect. Okay. Okay, well, yeah, I came, took a quick break, but um, I was listening to this last part that you were saying as well um, about the trauma, about understanding um, what people are going through, and you do have to be very careful of saying that you understand when you really don't understand because people are looking for someone to actually identify what they're going through. And a lot of times if we talk to people and you start telling them that you understand and exactly what you went through and they realize that you do understand, it's almost like a shock to them because when you're in that moment, when you're dealing with certain issues or traumas or experiences, you sometimes, well, I know for me, I feel like, I feel like I was the only one going through it, even though I may hear other people, you know, going through it. In that moment, you feel like I'm the only one. So when you hear someone say, and they can actually identify and tell you almost verbatim what you're going through in their experience, there's that hope there and there's that strength there as well. And if you tell someone like, I'm going to make it short, but I had to go to anger management years ago when I was younger. I might have been in my early 20s. I had to go to anger management, and we were sitting in the class, and I'm watching the counselors, and they were telling us stuff, but I kept watching their body language, and I kept listening to what they were saying, and I also was paying attention to the books that they had. And I ended up, because they were telling us, you know, if someone comes behind you after you, you just walk away, you just run away. And I'm thinking, so you want me to just keep walking, someone beating me in the back of my head, you know, and I couldn't understand that. And every time they said something, they would look down at the book and then speak. And I'm thinking, I asked them, I said, let me ask you a question. Have y'all ever experienced this? And each one of them said, because it was three of them, and I went through each one. I said, do you understand? Has this ever happened to you? Oh, no, it never happened to me. And, you know, or I heard it or I saw it. I said, so did you ever experience, has anyone ever put their hands on you and you had to make a decision on what to do? Oh, no, I didn't understand that, but, you know, my degree, I I majored. And I'm thinking, you can't tell me anything. There's nothing that, because I couldn't understand, I'm the kind of person, I have to see you go through something. I have to know that you're really coming from the heart of what you're saying. Because it's easier said than done. It's easier to say what you should do. But if you've never been in it, how can you really say that? You understand what I'm saying? So I agree and I understand. And my kids, I have two, you know, two of my children, they wanted to go to counseling. But each one of them refused to go now because their thing is nobody understands. They're telling them stuff that they're not even dealing with or they're talking to them in a way they was like, I can tell they don't understand really what I'm going through 
or they'll tell my daughter, she said they always telling her she, she's self-aware, which she is very self-aware, but she's still seeking help. Like, how can you help me still in the midst of me being aware of myself? You're still not answering any questions that I'm dealing with. You're going all around, you know, things that I'm not even dealing with. So counseling now has to be, I can't say that everybody has to go through the exact same thing, but it helps to know that you can identify. And if you can't understand, just say, I, I don't understand that. I've never been through At least be honest with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was I just wanted to put that out there. I wanted to <laughs> agree, and I can I identify what you're saying, and it makes so much sense. And I, I hope that somewhere down, and I know there's a reason why, we have to go by the book, so, so to speak, but I really hope there become more counselors that are knowledgeable but also experienced on what they are trying to help people do. That was good. And, you know, and you said you hit a lot of, of points, like you said, with these, this new generation of these kids. Um, they're going to these professionals who their parents were psychologists, they were psychologists. I know I was a teenager at risk youth and I was going through it and hearing them tell me about their degrees and their books, I, I really care less. Um, I needed to mm-hmm. find, I needed someone to show me how to survive because I was on the, on the brink of giving it all up and not even wanting to deal with it anymore and feeling alone. It's a very lonely right. place. Um, so the professionals, um, I, I really do pray that more experienced professionals, you know, rise up. Now, another thing is, you know, a lot of what we've been through, we hear people say, you know, you what you've been through, you know, is, is for testimony and God's going to get the glory for your story and all this stuff here. But you don't really realize that it's so true. Like what we've been through is not even for us at this point. I don't need to look at my trauma as mine. I've already released it through my steps. Um, I've done a lot of releasing of, of my trauma to the point that uh, I'm not even really connected to my trauma that much. Um, the other day I was thinking about what I, what I went through and I was looking at the inner child and I was feeling bad and I kind of teared up a little bit, you know, because I haven't connected with, with those feelings, those stories, those any of that uh, in so long. But, you know, really thinking about looking at the inner child and um, and realizing, like, wow, this is horrible, you know, that uh, a child has been through these things or a person, an adult has been through this type of trauma, abuse or loss, grief, anything. It's just, it's, you know, you need to find someone that looks like you. And, and that helps you in your recovery. So when you do research, it's good to kind of research who are you getting some of this coaching support from what is their background? You know, have they, are they survivors? Like I stay in my lane. One of my coaching programs uh, is a three-step program, uh, trauma recovery program that I do. I focus on uh, child abuse survivors, um, sexual abuse survivors, and uh, domestic violence. And uh, what was the other? Uh, one more. Can't think about this second. I think that's about it. But um, that particular program is is kind of so detailed that you cannot, even though I specialize in a lot of other areas in in counseling, I have a list of areas, uh, addictions and different things like that, right? But 
and eating disorders and all of that. I've been there, okay? But when it comes to when you're trying to, like, really coach somebody from school, some stuff, just, just know that you really need to be educated, trained and educated, experienced, sorry, trained and educated, because we're looking up to you to help us survive, and we need to know that you really do understand I don't want you to be trying to study me like a lab rat so you can make money using what I'm telling you that I've been through. And, and for you to go, hmm, well, let's try this and let's try that. No, don't play with me like that. I need to know that I'm going to to someone that I can really truly trust and um, and has my recovery at heart. So, um, you know, the mics are open. If anybody else would like to chime in, please do. We have 40 minutes. We're not in a rush. Anybody? Nancy, this is Alexis again. I agree with what the last lady said about, you know, counselors. I I went through some childhood trauma, and the first counselor that I had was a, a white lady who just got out of school, and she really didn't know what I was doing, like how to deal with what I was dealing with. And I kind of felt like she was studying me. Um, My third appointment with her, I just decided that I wasn't going to see her anymore. And this was like a school-appointed therapist um, that I had received. And she just, just the type of things that she would say, you know, I was just like, you've never been through this, you know. Why are you talking to me about this? Or, you know, if somebody is doing this to you, you know, physical, you need to just run away. And it's sort of kind of like those things where we see people who talk about, you know, like for a person that's been kidnapped and a person who's never been in that situation is going to say, well, it couldn't have been me because I would have done X, Y, and Z. You know, and people who have been in that situation, you really don't know what you'll do until you're in that situation. And I just find that I find the similarities in counselors and therapists where they rely on the studying that they've done, um, you know, book-related. They don't rely on experience. Um, And I find that that has been really the hardest thing I have had with counseling um, and going to see a therapist is trying to find, you know, an African-American woman, you know, to talk about woman trauma, you know, that I went through, and also to try to talk to someone who might have had some similarities where they either didn't grow up in the environment I grew up in, but they knew somebody who had experience some of the things and the trauma that I went through. Um, And it's just important. I find that this is obviously geared towards, you know, men and women, but I find that myself being a female, that women have to bear a lot of responsibility when it comes to different types of trauma. And the therapists that I had, they were just, it just they didn't have any knowledge, and I'll just kind of share this part where 
I had went through about eight years of sexual assault by a family member, and my family knew about it, and they just swept it under the rug because that's just what they did. The women, they just picked themselves up, and they just moved on. And I felt so defeated, and that's when I felt like I was just easily disregarded. No one cared about me. And I was really struggling with my mental health a lot. I felt like, you know, this person did this to me. It's it's okay for a male to treat me this way or to be talked at crazy and these types of things because my family was my first line of defense and they had failed me. And I met a therapist who was that same white lady and her response to me was, I understand how you're feeling. So my 13-year-old mind, I asked her, well, when did this happen to you? What did you do when this happened to you? And her response was, I, I've just got a PhD in X, Y, and Z, and my mom or my cousin is this, this, and this, and I just instantly felt betrayed because when you say that you understand someone and they're going through that trauma and that pain, you're you're looking at them to be helpful towards that. And back to what the last lady was saying and what you were saying earlier, it makes it incredibly hard for someone who's been through a lot of trauma. And I come from a, a, a big dark family. So if you stomped your toe, <laughs> or whatever, you got up, you know, you got up, you didn't cry, you didn't talk about it, you went to work, you you prepared dinner for your family. I come from a long line of strong women, but it comes a time where these thoughts come back later on in life, you know, and that trauma just continues to build. And it's just been incredibly hard to try to find a therapist that really understands. And like I said, I found one that I really liked, but I moved here to Georgia. And our schedules just don't match anymore. And I just wish that people who are new and they come out of school, that they go and they deal with, like, you know, the women, the, the domestic violence you know, groups, or they go in underserved communities and they actually go through an experience where they're meeting people from all different walks of life and they're becoming well-rounded because it would have been a different situation if that lady had said to me, no, I did not deal with what you dealt with personally, but I was in camp dealing with people who have went through domestic violence. I have Went, I have dealt with people who went through sexual assault. I have counseled people, you know, who needed this type of help versus saying it's just my education. So that's just what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. And I think it, I think it is important to, to find someone that you're comfortable with. If you are a gay male and you want to get counseled by a gay counselor, that's fine. If you are a straight male and you want to get counseled by a straight counselor, that's fine. If you're a Christian, you want to get counseled by a Christian. You want, you're a Catholic, you want to get counseled by a Catholic. You're, uh, oh, what is it? If you are uh, white and you want to get counseled by somebody that's white, you're black and you want to get counseled by somebody who's black, 
you've been through abuse, domestic violence, whatever it is, and you want to find someone who looks like you in your recovery. There's nothing wrong with that. That is perfectly okay. Okay? That's fine. You have to, this is your recovery. This is your recovery, and you need to feel safe. You need to feel understood, and you need to feel supported. And whatever that looks like for you, then that's what you need to do. Okay, if you're Muslim and you want to find someone who's a Muslim and, and they understand everything about um, being a Muslim or you're a Hasidic Jew and you want to find someone who's a counselor who's a Hasidic Jew, if that's important to you in your recovery, you find a safe space that you can be supported in your recovery. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think I actually think that's very smart because I found myself having a bad experience with counselors. That's why I wanted to become one. I did not enjoy my experience. I looked at them like, girl, I could show you. Sit down, 10 years old. So that definitely um, is something that, you know, if if you need someone who's had the background, who's had uh, weight loss surgery, who's had eating disorders, who, you know, who went through a bulimic stage or went through, if, if, if those things matter to you, look at their website, read their bio. And if those things stand out to you, then that's the counselor you need to reach out to. I, I feel like um, I, it saddens me to see that people do reach out to counselors because they're a counselor, um, and then they have a bad experience because they feel that they nobody understands them and they don't get the support that they that they need. But what happens is that they're just not the right counselor for you. It's like finding the right pair of shoes that won't hurt at the end of the night. Uh, my feet, look, they swell up, honey. I need a little wide shoe. I need this. I need that. You know, I, I don't want to be fit and trying to fit into their box. No, I need someone that, that we fit together because we're together in this recovery process. You're my coach, and you need to show me how to survive, you know. And if you can't really show me how to survive, you know, you cannot deal with our clients as a textbook situation only because cause I'm, I'm taking psychology classes. You know, I'm back in school after 20 years. And um, to be honest with you, some of the stuff that you read, no, some of the things that we're learning are tools that you could incorporate with what you already know. They're tools that, could, that you have to go in the toolbox and try a different size tool for the different client. Not every client is the same size. Everybody you got to do something different with. They had a little boy. We had our first session. I had to deal with him. I had to do a whole nother approach, even though I know his background. His mother told me what, what trauma he experienced. I had to, I had, he was 12, you know, he was a, a 12-year-old white boy. And guess what? I had to approach him. I had to go into my thinking cap. I had to go in there and just go a whole nother approach. By the time we finished, he was laughing. We, we had a great old time. But that comes from what? Experience. If I would have just went textbook on him, so how do you feel? What do you go? I, I didn't even talk about nothing that had to do with trauma tonight because I know I have to build a rapport. 
I have to build a relationship. We'll get there. And most clients let me know when they're ready to go there. But I need you to know I'm a safe person and I'm here to support you and you can talk to me. But I care about how your day was and and I care about how your day is going and we're going to touch and check in next week and we're going to follow up with, I gave them a couple of, I gave them a little bit of homework. We'll follow up with the homework and keep it moving. So, again, with everybody, you just have to use different approaches. You cannot do one size fits all. All right, so if anybody would like to add, you're welcome to join. You know, once you start, you went through, like, that process and your trauma, you know, you can start to um, integrate, um, like, a bigger, greater understanding of yourself um, and your value, right? Um, so... This is like a little bit of a lighter process of trauma recovery. Uh, and, and in that process, you're really able to make sense of your trauma response, okay? Uh, and you have to really show yourself a lot of compassion and really integrate that into your new vision for, you know, your life goals. You have to really be gentle with yourself, okay? Okay. Uh, and one of the things is a lot of times we we struggle because we're like, hey, look, I want to I want to be good now, but I mean there is there is stages to healing. We talked about you know you have to acknowledge what happened, acknowledge where you're at, acknowledge how you feel, acknowledge, acknowledge, acknowledge. It's a lot of different things to acknowledge. Okay, making sure that that you're safe. Okay, before you can really address the trauma, you have to feel safe. That's why, like, building the rapport, trying to have that relationship <clears throat> is, is, is important. A lot of people excuse me, who've been through trauma, whether it's uh, sexual abuse, domestic violence, different things like that, different forms of trauma, where somebody violated your personal space, your uh, emotional space, whatever have you, okay, it's hard to have trust, and it's hard to build relationships. I struggle with that. You know, it's not that I don't like people. I have a hard time sometimes maintaining relationships because when I open up myself for relationships, I normally get hurt, and I'm just like, I'm tired of getting hurt. So I go through a phase where, if I'm not around people, I don't have to worry about being hurt. Now, I try to, don't get me wrong now, I have to work through my own trauma because I got, I got stuff too, okay? I've been abused by uh, someone who really, really, really loved and trusted, okay? Sexually abused by somebody who I really loved and trusted is a very traumatic experience. And that, um, and then people, have, you know, also violated my trust. So, I mean, you know, you start to be like, well, dang, who can you trust? You can't trust nobody. At this so you, you go through a process of, in your own recovery, you don't really have that peace because you feel like somebody's always going to disappoint you or hurt you. And that really just comes from uh, deep wounds and then minor wounds of people who have probably hurt you as well. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who has been through that or maybe even going through that still, but that's 
you know, I understand where it comes from. And so I, I know the patterns that I do. I, I have a hard time maintaining new, the newer relationships. I, I struggle in that area. Uh, and so um, some people uh, don't, or some people just, you know, they, they just don't address or deal with uh, with their trauma, right? And, and they just keep going and going and going. All right, so, you know, once you get to that place of safety, you, you're able to really address and process the impact of the trauma. Again, the symptoms, the relationships, like I said, I, 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 I get it. I'm like, Ooh, I do do this. Oh, I do do that. You know, you start to process. Oh, I did feel like that. Wow. Like, like I said the other day, I was sitting down thinking about what I went through. I haven't done that in a long time, but I was looking for a childhood picture of me. So I saw my little self, and then I found another little picture of me. And I was like, wow, look at that little girl. Wow, that's around the age. You know, and I started to connect the abuse and the trauma to the to that baby, really, to the baby. And that was very hard. It was, it was a, a challenging exercise for myself, right? Uh, but, you know, once you start processing it and you get that understanding and you feel you feel for yourself. It's okay to feel for yourself. It's okay to have a good cry. It's okay to love on yourself. It's okay to breathe. So you breathe the next exercises and, and really acknowledge that this hurts. We always have to be so tough. You got to keep going, 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 going. Are you not to energize the bunny? You are a human being with feelings, emotions, and a heart. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to have a good old cry. It's okay to breathe through your cries. Okay to release it. It's okay to say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in my healing." And even if you don't feel it, just say the words until you start to see it. And I do that a lot. I have to trick my mind because I be sometimes I'm like, "Girl, you know, I'm behind on homework," and I'm like, "I'm gonna get through this." And I'm like, "No, you're not. Not if you don't do the steps. You got to do the steps. Then you." When you're speaking, then you can start to believe it because at least you're doing the steps, not just lay there. But sometimes, guess what? No, sometimes today, you know what I did? I took a nap. I laid there. I was tired. I was exhausted. And I, and I was gentle with myself. Today was that day. I was exhausted. So I get up first thing in the morning and go do some homework and deal with it. Tomorrow's a new day. But today, guess what I did? I was gentle with myself, and I said, I'm going to just say it till I believe it because I'm, today I need rest. And that was okay for me. I don't know if anybody could relate. The mics are open. Please join because I know I'm here running my mouth by myself. Y'all come on. <laughs> anybody? I had to step away for a quick second. Um, this is Kenya. Hello, everybody. Um, were we talking about self-care and what do we do to keep ourselves in a place of health and wellness? Uh, we were talking about just different stages of trauma recovery, and if that's one of the steps that you would like to share, sure. Yes. I was trying to make sure I was hearing it correctly. Um Yes. Um, as recent as even today, uh, one of the things I remember, I was talking to one of my um, girlfriends on the phone, and we were, she was talking, but it was just like stuff kept happening in the background, and it was just really, really funny. And 
when I got off the phone with her, one of the things I realized, I was like, I need to laugh more, not just at things, but just intentional laugh. So I found mm-hmm. myself just from a place of I could feel my body feeling a little, a little anxiety or stress. So instead of, like, leaning into the stress and leaning into anxiety, I just was like, I was laughing a moment ago. So I wanted to continue that feeling and vibe. So I just watched a comedy, um, a comedian um, on um, Amazon and just kept that feeling going. And it was a real funny experience. It took my mind off of me, and it helped me just to be in that present moment. Um, Something else that I do to kind of help me navigate spaces, especially in the journey I'm on at this present time, is something you said, too, which is just lean in. You know, whatever space I am in, the emotion, which is my radar, whatever I'm sensing, be honest with myself on how I'm feeling. And if I need to rest, be okay with it. If I need to, like I said, laugh, be okay with it. But simply giving myself permission to be, but also giving myself permission to change up if I need to so that I can be. Um, And what that may look like is if I'm real hyped and I'm like, I need to bring it down because I got some things I need to take care of, I might put some jazz on to bring me down. I'll put some um, ocean wave music on to bring me down. But then on the other end, if I'm like, okay, I'm overfilling myself, I might put some neo-soul on, I put some hip-hop on just so I can get in the right space that works uniquely for me. Um, journaling is very important to me, but also finishing things is important. So for me, trauma is real um, in everything, but like you shared earlier, just being able to have a safe space, being able to trust the space is safe. Um, and sometimes spaces may not be this big, grandiose thing. It might not be a um, multimedia platform. It may not be a support group. Sometimes it may be a simple, which may not be simple for everybody. For me, it's been having a variety of safe spaces, but it's nothing like having something called a friend. So that's some things that work for me. Thank you for sharing. That was good. I love that. Um I do that sometimes, too, like, just, you know, like, bump it. Let me just watch something funny. I might do that tonight. Uh, And just have a good old laugh. Like, this is so, you know, it just takes you away from that, you know, that energy that might be trying to pull you down. You have to, like, find those things that pick you up. And sometimes you got to pick yourself up, knowing yourself the best. You're the best. You know yourself best. You know yourself best. And I love that you were, you know, having a good old chat with a good old friend um, and you wanted to keep laughing. And that feels good, you know, when you laugh and, and you put out that positive energy, more positive energy comes towards you. So it is really important to utilize that time to, 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 to use it for good vibes, right? And laughing is definitely one of those good vibes. Anybody else? Thank you for sharing that, Miss Kenya. That was great. Anybody else would like to share something that they do in their healing that helps them feel good or self-care? Anybody? Okay. Well, I'll share. Um, let me see. For self-care, one of the things that I like to do, I take myself out to eat. 
I know I shouldn't be being greedy, but I do. I like to take myself out. Uh, and, like, I like lamb chops and things like that. <laughs> so sometimes I'd be like, you know what, I won't be like, sometimes I'll take the kids or, you know, I may go to the hub or something like that. But I really do it by myself because I actually enjoy it. I enjoy my own company. <laughs> and so I like to do it. If I'm out, I don't have a problem with going to a nice restaurant and just having a nice meal. I might have my earpiece, talk to um, one of my sisters on the phone, um, and, you know, but or sometimes just chill out, you know, and just have a, a nice meal. And normally when I'm out, like, I just start talking to people and I enjoy myself. So, you know, uh, I know some people do the solo traveling. I haven't tried that. I don't know if I'm there at that point, but I do enjoy going out to eat um, and taking myself out. Um, and let me see. I do I do journaling. I do um, breathing exercises. It just really depends what mood I'm in. I, I want to get back to walking or working out. That's been something I've been kind of struggling with because I've been kind of tired. I need to get back to, to taking my vitamins. And I think it's important to, to take care of our bodies. You know, it's important to, to say, you know, I used to juice, and I really was enjoying juicing. But my juice machine is really bad. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to just invest in a nice juice machine for myself because the one that I have is, like, it's too juicy. The, the pulp that comes out is juicy, not a good juicer. Uh, it was good at the beginning when I first got it, but then it's just really bad. So I'm going to get, I'm going to invest in myself to get myself something. So sometimes I buy myself, like I said, like I want to get myself a juicer. That that would be a self-care thing for me because I know that juicing, I'll be able to get more nutrients, not just for me, but also uh, I know my son loves um, when I make his green apple, um, apple juice through the juicer. I haven't done that in like two years. So with, with pineapple juice, sometimes I mix it, I do half and half. Um, and that's something that uh, I normally put, the the uh, pineapple in one jar and then the green apple in the other and then he'll you know make a little uh, drink there with half uh, pineapple and half green apple but yeah even just thinking about it makes me happy I want to get back to juicing so that's something that I really want to do would anybody else like to share something that they do or that they're thinking about doing maybe for the new year to help them in their self-care journey, self-love, self-healing. Hey, this is Paula. Um, yes. Hello. Hey, Paula. Oh, I can't yep. tell if y'all hear me. Um, well, yep. I've been working on some self-care things uh, more this year. I, I'm trying to get more involved. But I do like to, I like to go out to eat, take myself out the or go with a special friend, you, um, just to just go we and haven't I done have that to in a long rush time. and I know we're going to start back 2024, but, and I know we got a lot of things going on, but I do like the times when we just took, what was it, like one day a week, just go and just meet up, we didn't rush, um, the fact that I had someone to and I, I don't know if that sounds bad, but someone was serving me like I didn't have to just do anything but enjoy the moment um, and not have to rush and be on a time limit and, you know, 
it I really enjoy that because I'm a calm person. So when I'm able to be at a steady pace, that that self care that helps me out tremendously. It it lowers my anxiety and everything. So that's one thing I like to do. Um, I'm working on my exercise program. Um, it's called Weight Lift Her, and it's um, it's H E R on the end of Weightlifter. So it's for women mostly, and our age, like I don't know where everybody age range is, but maybe like 45 and up. Um, I want to really get into that because I talk to a lot of women, and they're doing it now more than ever. But there's still a stigma on lifting weights, you know. And I want to educate how important that lifting weights is actually good for you, especially the older you get. And I also want to turn that into weight lifter as a program for women lifting each other's weight, like bearing each other's burden, but knowing how to balance it as well. It doesn't mean that we're going to take on the full burden, the, the full load, but we're empower, it's more of an empowerment for women. Um, so, and breathing, I love breathing. I tell a lot of people when they're going through stuff, and their anxiety's up. The first thing I said, my kids, even though they're like, okay, ma, I know you're going to tell me to breathe. Yes, breathing is very, very important. Um, it helps out a lot. I want to get massages done. You know, it doesn't have to be expensive, but just just to take care of my body, uh, my mental health, and everything, and eating the best that I can eat. That was good. Thank you all for sharing. <laughs> that really was good. I like that weightlifter. 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 Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. And I like the both Aww. sides of what you said, you know. Um, I think that would be a great a great program. I can't wait to hear more about it. That's awesome. I like that. Good oh, job. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I think it, it's time, <laughs> you know. I think we're equipped. Um, I know every woman on this call right now, and I know that we're equipped for the work, you know, that that the work that that we have on our hands, you know, is bigger than us. Uh, and this is just probably, I, I really pray. First of all, I want to touch and agree with you, Paula, on that program that you're saying that you really want to start. I, pray, I really pray that God continues to put more of those beautiful thoughts and feelings and ideas in your heart and in your mind so that, you know, they can come out and you can birth them because I know you have a lot inside of you as well. Um, And I really hope that, you know, all of us on this call that we'll be able to this year kind of walk into what God has for us and and not really walk in fear um, and say, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Like one of the things I'm going to start doing, I start the program next month, I'm going to be do, adding equine therapy to my practice, and so I'm going to be working with horses and uh, hopefully working with children and adults and different people who are dealing with anxiety and other mental health conditions. And that's something that I'm really excited about because um, there's a lot of different techniques that are needed in the area of, um, you know, uh, cultural intelligence, like kind of educating people about the different um different cultures and, and, um, and using um, the horse therapy for healing. So that's something that I'm going to be adding and I'm really excited about, um, you know, just kind of preparing to, to do that program. 
and you know what? I said, you know, I'm done talking. You know, I don't want to just talk about stuff. I want to just say, you know what? At least I did it. You know, we don't know how long we're here, but let's just be purposeful about walking on purpose, walking in purpose, on purpose, you know, um, and allowing God to do whatever he said that he would do this weekend. I, I did my vision board. I, I really was trying to do it on New Year's with the kids and stuff. But I didn't get a chance to, so I did it this weekend, and I'm holding some of my clients accountable for theirs. That's something that I, I used to do. So I, a lot of people used to donate their magazines to me, so I have a whole bunch of magazines. Lord, I, I have to figure out if, if I'm going to throw them out or what I'm going to do because there's so many. But I said I'm going to try to use some of them with some of my clients and um, and just kind of encourage each other. Because I feel that um, as you're creating and uh, and praying and asking God and visualizing and God is bringing to, to to light those things that He placed in you, you have to surround yourself with like-minded people that are going to touch and agree with you. Um, not be like, "Girl, you can't do that. How you gonna do that?" Oh, honey, once I start hearing that type of talk, I remove myself immediately. Because I know that I don't have the energy to try to explain to you how I'm gonna do it. I'm just uh, I don't I don't have the energy to try to uh, fight the challenge. I really just want to be empowered and encouraged. Because guess what? I don't know how I'm gonna do it all the time. God's just gonna have to show me. So that's what I told God. I said, "You want me to do this? You're gonna have to show me." Because there's some things that I don't want to do that I've been obedient to do, and He showed me. So that's how it's gonna happen. But those negative um, energies or uh, people that don't encourage or don't believe or don't support and don't, that's okay. You know, you have to, you have to be very careful who you share the vision with because you have to, it's a very spiritual thing when you're visualizing and creating and uh, bringing to light something that God put in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart. You have to guard it. You have to protect it. And sometimes, really, you shouldn't even talk about it until it's already done. Uh, depending, but if the space is safe, like this was, to me, this was a safe space. This is the first time I really shared that I was doing that. Like out, like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing the next month. Uh, and so, yeah, but thank you guys for listening to me and allowing me the, the space also to share. And thank you guys for sharing. Um, as well. If anybody else would like to share, anybody feels led to share anything, we have um, six minutes before the show ends. Please do so. The mics are open. Okay. And if you don't feel like sharing this time, that's fine. Maybe another time. But um, I'll just share a couple of things that, um, you know, you can do for your self-care routine. Um, going out for a while. And, again, that could be make some popcorn and watch a funny comedy show. Watch a good movie. Watch one of your little uh, shows that you catch up on. That I, I like 90 Day Fiance. I know some people probably like, mm, girl, I don't it entertains me. So guess what? That's the thing I do. That's my little guilty pleasure. Sometimes that's what I do. I just sit there and I'm like, you know what? Let me catch up on this 90 day fiance. Let me see what, what's going on. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I laugh and, you know, or I'm like, oh my God, that was a little too much or whatever. But that's my little guilty pleasure that I do in between sometimes. Okay. Uh, call up someone, uh, just like 
you know, some of you guys shared, call someone you care about, somebody you enjoy talking to. Uh, be inspired by self-care Sunday. You know, just go for a walk, take your take your dog out or take yourself out and just go for a little couple-minute walk or out to eat or whatever. Spend some time clearing clutter, clutter out. That's one of the things that you can do today. I went through my files. My files look crazy, and I organized my clients in my book. So tomorrow I can hit everybody up because for the holidays I gave everybody break, and I have to bring back everybody back in order and check in. So um, my files were looking nuts, and I literally sat down today and had I bought a big folder, and I organized my files, and so I get some clarity in my mind because it was just a lot going on, right? Um, and then switch from late nights to long brunches. So some people, instead of going out late and partying, they'll just, you know, do brunch with their earlier uh, in the day. Um, and then some people um, do, one of my friends, she does words of affirmations in the shower because she says that's like when you're most vulnerable, you're naked, you're in the shower, and just do your words of affirmation uh, in the shower. And then, you know, the water is very cleansing, very spiritual, so that's something great that you can do. Um, you know, do your do like a morning routine. If you want to burn your candle, make some tea. Try to like find like a nice little morning routine for yourself. Maybe learn about the teas. Um, I wrote about the teas in my book. Um, my Costa Rican hummingbird sings, breaking the bondage and answering the call. If anybody has a book, drop the name. Anybody? Okay. If anybody got a book, please feel free to drop that name in in our uh, on our show tonight. We'd love to hear about your book. Or if you're about to, you're still working on your book. Just like, hey, I'm still working on it. So um, they said stash the cookie jar. <laughs> so just be intentional, I guess, not buying cookies and put some fruit out on the on the bowl on the table or something. So you just a little more intentional. Maybe wash them, you know, have them ready in some type of way. Um, Take a stroll for lunchtime. They said, you know, taking a little walk for lunchtime is very, um, it could be very helpful. Get your blood going and then you feel good about yourself. Uh, get a little manicure, a little pedicure, pamper your feet, Do you know, pamper yourself. Uh, create a yay list, okay, during the day. Um, so, like, positive things and things that motivate you and things like that or things that you've accomplished, like, oh, I got this done. Um, you know, this baby feels strong. This is good. Give your eyes a break. So they're saying, like, you know, take out your contact lenses. And um, they're saying, like, little things you can do there. Breathe like a yogi. So breathe in exercises. Schedule time to breathe. What time? Okay, we're down to two minutes. So um, throw open your shades. Um, I think that's important, too, because sometimes when you're, like, kind of feeling low, um you know, that vitamin D, a lot of us women, I struggle with the vitamin D and the iron, so that's why I feel tired a lot. Um, and so I have to, that's why I'm like, oh, I'm going to juice, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, you have to be more intentional about the certain things that you do. And open up the windows. Um, I like being in darkness, uh, but sometimes that does kind of put the opening up the windows and forcing yourself um, to have that light and be outside, and uh, it's, it's really important. Plant something or buy a plant and take care of a nice little plant. Uh, donate your time. I like volunteering. That helps me when I'm feeling low. 
Um, and, you know, listen to some podcasts. Try to take care of your skin. Do a skin routine. Pamper yourself. Do your facial. Uh, and work out. Get some sweating going on. All right. We're down to one minute and 15 uh, seconds. So I'm just going to just say again, thank you all for joining us. It was a pleasure being with you guys. Thank you, Paula, for joining. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, Kenya. Thank you, uh, Phil. Phil was on. He wasn't speaking. Thank you, Alexis, for joining us. Uh, you all just have a wonderful night, and I hope to see you guys next week. I'm normally on on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. EST time. And, again, just, you know, have a good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Good night. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon.